Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. We are continuing our series on transformational leadership with guest host, Dr. Zach Shuttler. How are we doing today, Zach? I tell you what, Jamal, this is what, episode five already? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've gone past the trilogy, so I hope we're not at the point in the movie making process where the sequels start to lose, um, lose their credibility and steam. Well, I, I, I think uh, I think today will be a telltale sign. I'm excited about what we're talking about today. Um, we're talking about empowering and developing a uh, developing team members uh, today as a as a part of our, our last episode to our transformational leadership theory. Um, what are your opening thoughts on on this topic? That it's not easy. That it's not simple. Say that and for the it's not it's not easy. I think I think you'll hear a lot of people that purport themselves to be, you know, leadership experts, which I am not. Right. I am a student of it. Mm -hmm. um, they'll give you these fancy three step, five step, seven step processes to build a team. But the reality is that you're always building the team. Right. I remember when I was in philosophy class in college, um, there was the whole philosophical conundrum that if you constantly replace pieces of a ship, does it eventually become an entirely new ship once all the pieces are replaced, mm. even though they're replaced over the course of 20 years? And um, I feel like that's what team building is, is the, the, the ship is never complete, that you're always changing planks, that you're always changing the mast, that you're always cleaning the deck, that, um, that if you allow certain aspects of your team to decay, that that ship is going to sink. So um, I think it's that old philosophical question that the ship is continually having its parts replaced and it's always becoming something new. Right. And I, I, I want to piggyback on that um, to say that nothing of significance can be accomplished without a team. Um, John Maxwell talks about that in his book, The, the 17 Invaluable Laws of Teamwork. And it's it it's so true um one person can't do anything and i think one of the one of the challenges and i'm sure we'll touch on it a little bit here is um when you are when you are developing and and, and empowering a team people are not gonna do things the way that you would do it um this is something that i'm, I'm constantly constantly learning um, in my new role as a, as a public school principal i mean something that you know you 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 all you definitely know going in but i think it's important for us to be mindful are we are we delegating task or are we delegating authority and i think i think you know the difference when people feel safe or comfortable making decisions about their roles and uh things i'm sorry making decisions with things that pertain to their roles and responsibility without you being present and they have to I yep. mean, they have to. I mean, that's the only way an organization can can survive. Um, I've worked in organizations where the the leader at the top of the organization tried to be involved in every decision and and tried to um, be present at every single event. And um, it's uh, it, what do they say? You, you can't burn the candle at both ends. Nope. And, you know, a leader, it doesn't mean that they know everything. It doesn't mean that they're an expert in everything. It means that they have the capacity to build a team. And the largest aspect 
I believe of building a team is bringing the right people on that have a similar vision mm -hmm. as you. They have the same purpose as you, but um, they have different skill sets than you. Right. I mean, we only we only need one one Zach Shetler on the team. You know, we don't need seven. Um, my skill set is much different than my my treasure. My skill set is much different than my instructional coach. My skill set is much different than um, my elementary principal, and that is a good thing. Right. I can't lead the elementary school from my superintendent's office. I can be visible, but I can't make those decisions. Right. And, and also you, you don't want to do everything either. Um, there, there are things that I love to do and there are things that I dread. I can make an Excel spreadsheet and organize and be alphabetically sound and color code things. And I've had to do that in the past because I understand that's how people um, respond to things, but I hate doing it. I hate the, the, some of that work or, you know, there are other things that, you know, that I'm not necessarily good at that other people are and, and allowing them, like you said, to em empower them to make those decisions and lead um, for where they are, because that's essentially why we, why we brought them on board. So let's transition here a little bit. Cause you know, I think, I think sometimes um, with podcasts and just with different books, we, we, we spend a lot of time in theory, but let's let's talk about some concrete ways on the how. How can how can leaders um, empower and develop their teams? Let's kind of start with the how can leaders. What are some what are some practical ways for leaders to develop strong teams? Well, we talked a little bit about this when we presented in Columbus, Jamal, in November. Mm -hmm. If leaders want to impact and empower their teams, they need to provide them with quality coaching. Okay. And yes, the leader themselves, they are part of that coaching process, but they also need to create an environment and bring other folks in who are experts on certain topics to coach that person. Mm -hmm. Because just because you're the, the CEO or the superintendent or the COO or what have you, it doesn't mean that you're an expert in every realm of the organization. Right. It also um, means in a lot of cases that you evaluate, you know, that employee. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a coaching mentor mentee relationship there to some degree, but you need to provide your people with um, a voice that they can bounce things off of where it's not um, connected to their evaluation or it's not necessarily connected to a specific aspect of their performance. And a lot of these Fortune 500 companies and a lot of high performing organizations, they hire these, um, these external um, coaches that they subcontract out that are designed to help optimize their team's performance. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, you know, the, the Fortune 500 companies, they're ahead of the game on this. Um, professional sports leagues and um, high-level college sports, they're ahead of the game on this. And I think we are, we are trailing behind in education. Um, if you expect a quarterback to go out and perform in front of 70,000 people, and that's important to invest in a performance coach, mm -hmm. then how can we justify that it's not important for a principal who's in charge of a thousand students not to have somebody help optimize their performance or a teacher that's in front of a classroom 
of um, 25 sets of eyes, not have someone who can help them become um, better in their leadership skills and right. how to regulate their emotions mm -hmm. and how to actively engage with students. Because that is much different than somebody that can coach them on instructional practices or mm -hmm. um, you know, how to do a teacher evaluation. Right. And I find it interesting to talk about talk about coaching. Um, I was talking to someone uh, literally last night and they asked me, say, you know, do you have a coach, a principal coach? And I was like, no, not at the time. I, and I and I rely heavily on my supervisor, who's who's our regional superintendent. And he gives me a lot of feedback and coaching. So in a sense, I do. But I don't have a dedicated person that you know can walk me through you know here are the steps you, you should be doing this or, or doing that but and what my response to that individual was you don't know what you don't know um and i think with with a coach i always think about tiger woods and we've talked about this uh, several times tiger woods at at one point um in the history of golf um was the number one golfer in the world and um he had a he had a coach. He had several swing coaches. I don't know that the swing coaches were were ever as good as Tiger was. I don't know that they ever um, dominated the sport like Tiger Woods did. But he had someone to look at him, critique him, provide positive feedback, um, and also provide constructive criticism. So I, I think it's I think it's extremely important that we keep those things in mind. I remember when I was um at Murray State and we were playing uh, Eastern Illinois at home and my coach on the, he was on the sideline and uh, you know, they set up in formation and we had been practicing all week and uh, the quarterback would normally hand the ball off on, uh, hand the ball to the, um, the running back on option read. And I remember my coach just right before I got lined up, he says, Hey, Crook, go to the quarterback. And um, you really, without thinking, I just trusted, I trusted my coach. And sure enough, I didn't make any reads on that play. I didn't go through my read progression, first step, second step. I just went straight to the quarterback and I, you know, I made a tackle for a loss. Um, you know, we conversed on the sideline and I didn't see what he saw and the nuance in that formation, but he was on the sideline. He was able to give me real time feedback to improve my practice in play. So I think it's uh, extremely important um, for us to, to have coaches and to, and, and to um, have them give us that, that feedback. But let me ask you this, uh, Dr. Scheller. If, if I'm a, if, if I'm a coach, how do I coach and be effective? I think you coach and, and you're effective in a, in a couple different ways. I think you have to understand leadership theory. Um, okay. you know, you have to understand the, the components of leadership and the psychology of leadership. But, um, I also think it's important to have credibility in the sense that you've, you've done the job, or at least you've been in the industry. I mean, I probably would not be, um, an effective coach or, um, I don't know, um, for a ballroom dancer, you know, maybe I can make, maybe I can help with the mental aspect of it, but, mm -hmm. um, it would take a long time to build up that credibility. So I think it's important for a lot of people that you have some credibility in that industry, mm -hmm. that you've gone through those battles, that you've seen these things. But when you're the coach, you have an outside perspective that's unemotional 
and unattached to the situation. Probably wow. some of the best coaching advice that I received is um, somebody told me, they said, you know what, Zach, you know, if you trust, you know, your wife, or if you trust your best friend and they tell you that you don't need to worry about it, guess what? You don't need to worry about it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're too close to the problem to see that. Right. And I think that's what a great coach does. And because they've been in that industry or they've been in that situation, then they have some instant credibility um, with the person that like, hey, this person, this lady or this man, they, they've seen this, they've experienced it. You know, they have a unattached perspective. They're not responsible for evaluating me. They're not responsible for critiquing my work. They're here to support and they lend guidance or they just help guide the person towards the decision they want to make anyway. They just help them walk through it from a psychological perspective. And it's not just about walking through the problems. It's about optimizing yourself for performance to begin with. You know, what can you do to stay mentally healthy? What can you do to stay emotionally healthy? What can you do to stay spir spiritually healthy? What can you do to stay physically healthy? And kind of guiding them on this whole person process of being effective. Right. So, so just transitioning, what are some strategies that I can, I can implore as a, as a leader to really facilitate um, some of the, some of the growth that I'm, that I want to see and, and develop them. But let me, let me back up a little bit because before I forget, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on this. We talk about developing our teams and we talk about the growth and some of those things that are associated associated with it but let's talk about developing our teams from a hiring perspective what are your thoughts on that because getting the right people on the on the bus um seems to be a, a great uh of great importance in this time so elaborate a little bit on the hiring process well it's a huge factor and once you bring somebody in once you make somebody part of your team um, you accept a lot of responsibility for developing that person the same way that if I handed my son or my daughter over to um, an organization or a, a Girl Scout troop or a Boy Scout troop, I would expect them to grow and develop them in a constructive way. Mm -hmm. um, so you're taking on a large responsibility um, for that person when you bring them onto the team. Mm -hmm. And there are several research studies that exist that talk about how one negative influence on the team <laughs> outweighs outweighs several good apples on the team. Wow. So, and it, it, this has been proven in several research studies. Um, one bad apple does spoil a bunch. Right. But negative emotions and pessimism mm -hmm. and destructive behavior greatly reduces the effectiveness of a team and outweighs several, several people who display the opposite characteristics. So that's why it's so important. Right. And you don't want to go through the process of removing somebody from the team. You have to sometimes. That's right. part of it. But mm -hmm. you don't want to. That's why taking the time to find the right people and to train them is so important um, and get them with quality mentors. And I, I said that plural on purpose because the research will also show that the one mentor system does not work. Right. That people need mentors. Yep in a variety of areas. And the more mentors that you have in specific areas, the better. Right. It's the same way, like for me, there were certain things that I went to my dad to. Mm -hmm. There were certain things that I went to my mom for. There right. were certain things that I would reach out to my grandfather for when I was you know, a teenager or a kid. 
And that's an example of a multiple mentor system to where just having my grandfather wouldn't suffice. I needed three or four or five people that I could reach out to depending on what I was psychologically or emotionally going through or experiencing. And we need the same thing for people in the workforce that if we don't have multiple mentor systems set up where they have the freedom to explore and connect and find a coach and provide coaching for them, right. it's not going to work with just like, hey, Jamal, welcome to uh, welcome to our school district. And per the state requirement, I have two people that took the online course to be a mentor and mm-hmm. Mrs. Jones will be your mentor this year. Good mm-hmm. luck. And then I know that Mrs. or Mr. Jones is not going to be a good mentor. And then I throw up my hands when things go sideways. Right. And, but I, I, I want to, I also want to offer up this, this strategy and just the hiring process. So we brought them on and we have that path, but I think a lot of times we get caught up in the hiring process or some people don't have a hiring process. And I've heard too many people say in this season that in, especially in education, we're hiring people if they have a heart rate, if they have a pulse, they breathe because there's a teacher shortage and we we just need bodies. I need a warm body. And I want to caution um, people away from that mindset as it relates to developing your team. Um, there's a book by Matthew Kelly called The Culture Solution. Um, and and in so many ways, I'm going to express some of the key thoughts from that. But he talks about in his book, he talks about um, when you're hiring, if it's not a definite yes, it's a definite no um, mm-hmm. for your organization. Because he explains, he says, you know, one bad hire will take so much time and energy and it will create the a detriment and even to the research that you, that, that you just shared. One, one negative person or thing that's going on um, really detracts from several positive things. Um, and, and I've seen that to be true. Um, in different schools that that I've worked at or just different places. I mean, you know, you know, the person that's um, working at Chipotle, taking your order, if they have a nasty attitude that 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 has negative impact on on me as a customer. And that definitely has a negative impact, I'm sure, on the people that um, are working. But also in that have a have a process, have a process for hiring. What questions are you asking um, in your in your interview, do you have um, have you sat down and considered the position that you are hiring for, the th- the type of person that you need, and the specific qualifications for that role given the current reality? Because a lot of times, you know, especially in education, we'll post that we need a math teacher, um, and we'll say, you know, you got to be certified in this because it, it meets the 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 base criteria, but who are the kids in that vacancy? Like what type of person do those kids need? Is it, you know, is it, is it, is it advanced sections? Is it your general uh, sections? Um, You know, and within those sections, you know, is your advanced section, do they bore easy? Like what kind of person do you need? Or do you need someone that's innovative? um, That's going to create field trips because a part of your instructional priorities is to create peak moments for, for students. What do you absolutely need? And then when you start to go through that interview process, then you can go back to the, if it's not a definite yes, it's a definite no, because you're going to spend so much time with that person. If they're not a definite yes, trying to make them a definite yes, as opposed to saving yourself some time 
in that hiring process. And sometimes I think we need to switch our language up and saying, maybe a sub is okay until I find mm-hmm. the right person. Yeah, often, often if you don't find the right person, you're better off reposting. And for whatever reason, I fall into this trap too. There's a general fear of doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, we all know in education, once you bring somebody on, it's, it's, it's a large commitment to try to mm-hmm. grow and develop them. And the reality is it's essentially impossible to change somebody. You can influence them, but they have to make a decision on if they want to change and bringing the wrong person on does set the school back, the district back and the program back. And uh, if we want to build, it's important to go block by block, not go block by block, tear a few down and then try to start again. That's not an effective practice. Right. So what are some other practices um, that leaders can implore to um, support the growth and development of the team? Um, One thing that we did this year, um, we put together a um, staff orientation and retention program. We we called it the SOAR program. Mm -hmm. So we um, we meet with our first, second, third and fourth year teachers um, at least once a month, many months, twice. Mm -hmm. And they go and observe other teachers across the district and watch them instruct and meet with them. And then we talk about basic leadership theory and philosophy, what the principles and mission of the district are. And we felt like that was so much more impactful than just assigning somebody a mentor and letting things see how they develop. We've done round table discussions with our financial office where they get to sit down and talk with our treasurer mm-hmm. and our assistant treasurer about the finances of the district. Even if you're a high school principal, you get time to sit down and talk with the elementary school principal to learn how the elementary school works. Wow. And we also, we also did the same thing with our coaches this year where we had them um, work with um, other coaches from universities, you know, former division one players like yourself and just talk to them about you know, what are we trying to do in coaching? Right. Um, yeah, everybody wants to win, but what are we trying to do here at, at Union Local? We're mm-hmm. trying to grow and develop leaders and bring people in that can support that and coach our coaches because many of our coaches aren't educators by trade. Yeah. So um, I think going that extra step is um, something that all districts should do. And it does require some... Um, some uh some some willpower because everybody's busy everybody's jobs are essentially full but Mm -hmm. um if you want things to go well you need there to you need to be there to guide the process and lead the process not just throw a pile of leaves up in the air and see which way they blow this is this is so so true and and as you were talking i was i was reflecting on just just all of the different ways that we can create um i don't want to say a system but create, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna use this, a path of inquiry for those that we that we lead to help them grow and develop. And some of those, some of those things are just if you've created systems to allow them to 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 be there to facilitate. And I think with that, that that often um, leads to tremendous growth with um, the people that we lead. Um, and, and the reality of the situation, too, by me leading those sessions as the superintendent and me being in there, they're getting to know me better. They're getting to um, reduce that gap between administration and educator and hopefully seeing that we're we're all in this together and that I can't function well without you. And hopefully I bring something um, to the table that helps you as a teacher. And if I just sit in my office all day 
and don't interact with the teachers and don't create um, these coaching sessions to help our, our, our rookie and early career teachers, then um, that gap will, um, will widen as far as how they feel about administration and leadership. Right. And then that's, that's sometimes what causes us to, to lose people who would have been tremendous um, in our, in our field of, of education. I, I, I can, I can think of a, of a few people who've impacted the world. I mean, could you, could you imagine um, our, our, our world without Martin Luther King? He developed, he grew somewhere, some people invested into his abilities and his talents and his gifts. And he was someone uh, who, who literally helped change the world. Um, could, could we imagine, you know, our, our lives without John F. Kennedy, um, you know, and, and how he developed and someone poured into him and he literally changed the world and, you know, in, in the sense of space exploration, um, you know, the, the way that he motivated and inspired um, a group of people who had, you know, who had never been to the moon to, to inspire them to, to get to where they're going and then all the people that had to develop there. So these are, these are extremely important things. It's a chain, it's a chain reaction. The chain reaction. Um, so definitely, um, you know, those things. Do you have any closing remarks for us? I, I think if you're you're blessed enough to end up in a leadership position, you have to realize that your role is to put um, people in the proper position to succeed. You know, the same way that a great coach does. That I'm not going to be the one necessarily um, accomplishing these great things that I'm guiding and I'm influencing. But in the same way that no head coach has ever thrown a touchdown pass in a game, you know, I wanna see my quarterbacks, my principals, my teachers throw mm -hmm. numerous touchdown passes for our students. And, you know, my satisfaction, you know, my responsibility is to coach, develop, guide, and then ultimately put them in a position to go out there and make it happen. And when they make it happen, it isn't about thanking me. It's about them knowing they did it themselves with their own elbow grease as part of a, a unit, as part of a team. Well there, well, there you have it. This is Jamal Crook for Dr. Shuttler reminding you that opportunities are everywhere. Peace.